hearing this, I don't remember if it was November last year, if it was early this year, that paper was written and they said, as of current time, there is no treatment for moral injury. And of course, as Christians, we've just had communion. uh, We know what the answer is to sin. We spoke about, uh, and I sort of, uh, I hadn't really thought of it that way because I used to struggle a little bit about communion, the symbolicness of it. Um, Surely God could have come as as the all-powerful God and overthrown all wicked and sin in the world. Why did someone have to die? And I think, um, yeah, even reading that passage that we read this morning for, for communion, it talked about the sacrifices, the Old Testament sacrifices, how it just didn't take away guilt. People would have to come back every year, every, however often they did the sacrifices and re, re, re-offer those sacrifices. And it wasn't until Jesus came a, uh, without sin and he died on the cross that he actually dealt with that sin problem. And that's uh, what we looked at last time is how Jesus had dealt with that sin problem. I want to go, go on from there this time and look at, uh, well, looking at that same verse, the truth shall set you free, but looking at the truth part of it. We look at uh, where I said there, the, the medical uh, industry as it is, medical science says there is no treatment for moral injury as of this time. Well, we know that's not true. As Christians, we know there is an answer. How much else is out there at the moment when it comes to truth that we're not aware of? Um, Like I said last time, when I went to school, I was taught evolution. There was almost like there was no doubt it was true. The first verse in the Bible says, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Well, straight away, Christianity... Has, um, its credibility has been destroyed for many, many years. And, you know, of course, it was quite a few years ago when I went to school and that's what we've been taught ever since. How much more the generations since and those who have gone to university and what they've been taught. So what is the truth? How can we know the truth? So while we're, while we're on the roll of talking about uh, mental health issues, when it talks about... Um, Issues associated, and I think, and that's where it quite interests me in relation, like the moral injury. Well, how can we, our, our behavioural patterns, how can they uh, be changed? So, when you look at it from a medical perspective, um, they've got a, uh, a treatment that they call cognitive behavioural therapy, and uh, or CBT. If I say CBT, it's just in my notes, and that's the way it's abbreviated. It's cognitive behavioural therapy. So what is it? Cognitive behavioural therapy is an effective treatment approach for a range of mental and emotional health issues. Cognitive behavioural therapy aims to help to identify and challenge unhelpful thoughts and to learn practical self-help strategies. (coughs) Excuse me. These strategies are designed to bring about immediate positive changes in your quality of life. Cognitive behavioural therapy can be good for anyone who needs support to challenge unhelpful thoughts that are preventing them from reaching their goals or living the life they want to live. Cognitive behavioural therapy aims to show you how your thinking affects your mood. It teaches you to think in a less negative way about yourself and your life. It is based on the understanding that thinking 
Negative is a habit that, like any other habit, can be broken. Well, none of us are like that, are we? None of us ever think negatively. We don't think we can't do stuff. We're not, a, we're not a capable of something, do we? We're, we're all like that. This is relevant to all of us. Is the Bible relevant? Can the Bible be helpful in this cognitive behavioural therapy? talks about uh, how is it useful. It's useful for t- people suffering anxiety, anxiety disorders such as social phobia, obsessive compulsive disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, low self-esteem, irrational fears, hypochondria, substance misuse such as smoking, drinking or other drug problem, uh, problem gambling, eating disorders, insomnia, marriage or relationship problems. So this cognitive behavioural therapy is used to treat all of those things in, uh, when it comes to psychology. Cognitive behavioural therapy, the cognitive side of it, the aim of the cognitive therapy is to change the way you think about an issue that's causing concern. That's pretty simple. The behavioural part of it is putting that into practice. The aim of behavioural therapy is to teach your techniques or skills to alter your behaviour. For example, a person who behaves shyly at a party may have negative thoughts and feelings about themselves. They may also lack social skills. So when it comes to mental health, when it comes to modern medicine, this is the way they're dealing with these, uh, some of these uh, conditions. And I've actually got a little diagram here in front of me, which I obviously don't have on the board, I can't show you, but uh, um, core beliefs is in the centre. So it's like a circle. In the centre they've got your core beliefs. What are your core beliefs? And dependent on those core beliefs, surrounding your core beliefs are your behaviour, your feelings and your thoughts. So dependent on those core beliefs is all those other things, what you're thinking about, how you behave and your emotions, how you feel. Obviously a pretty important thing, especially uh, in everyone's life, but especially us as Christians. So when it comes to um, the actual thought side, the aim of cognitive therapy is to change the way you think about an issue. So what does the Bible have to say about current issues in the world, in our lives? The kid's story was great because it talked about the Bible as the Bible is our guide for life. The Bible's a guide. And are we spending regular time? Do we have a regular quiet time? Are we reading the Bible regularly? What does the Bible say about current, uh, current issues? Now, I've got, I've got pages and pages. I've probably got, I don't know, 50 or 60 promises here that God's made, how he helps us in the world today. I'm just going to read a few of them out. Why should I say I can't when the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength? Philippians 4.13. A lot of these verses are memory verses. A lot of them you'll know. Why should I worry about my needs when I know that God will take care of all my needs according to his riches in, in glory in Christ Jesus? Why should I fear when the Bible says God has not given me a spirit of fear but of power, love, and a self-sound mind. Why should I lack wisdom when I know that Christ 
became wisdom to me when, when God and God gives wisdom to me generously when I ask him for it. Why should I feel alone when Jesus said that he is with me always and he will never leave me or forsake me? Why should I be discontented when I, like Paul, can learn to be content whatever the circumstances, Philippians 4.11? Why should I feel helpless in the presence of others when I know that if God is for me, no, nobody or nothing greater can be against me? We've got all these promises in the Bible when it comes to this cognitive behavioural therapy that are relevant to how we live our lives. So when we come back to the uh, cognitive side of it, the actual understanding of it, so changing the way we think, we've got all the, all the pointers there in front of us in the Bible. So we're, we're halfway there already. The next part is the behavioural part of it. And... I'm going to go on with a few others. Who am I in Christ? I am God's child. I have been justified. I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit, all promises that God's given us. I am free forever from condemnation. I'm confident that the good work God has begun in me will be perfected. I am born of God and the evil one cannot touch me. These all have verses attached to them, but I'm not reading them out. I'll read Matthew 5. It says, I am salt and the light of the earth. If we actually take that seriously, I am the salt and the light of the earth, are we we making a difference to those around us or do we need to implement some of these promises that God's given us? I am God's temple. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13. So we've got all these promises, we've got all these positive things that the Bible's telling us. If we are struggling with any of those uh, psychological conditions, mental health issues, why is that so? Are we actually putting in behavioural patterns in our life to put them into practice? There's a verse in, uh, actually we probably all know Philippians chapter 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ, hearts and mind in Christ. I mean, we all know that. We've all read it. Does anyone know what the next verse says? Now, I, I really like it because it's a positive way. We've got all these promises, and how do we put them into practice? Philippians 4 verse 8 says, finally, the next verse after, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's telling us what to think about. We can can pray asking God to take care of those uh, issues to give us peace and, and he does but if we're not going to control those thoughts, if we're not going to implement those promises, if we don't know those promises, how are they going to help us? 
Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 9 says, These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And that's interesting because um, when I was reading about this cognitive behavioural therapy, one of the actual forms of treatment was um, write down the truth about your thoughts. You, you recognise you're having negative thoughts? Write down the truth. What is the truth? Tie it on your finger and that will remind you if you're at home or say you're studying or doing something, you're like, oh, that's right, what am I thinking? And here we got a verse that tells, I'd have to wonder if the person who wrote that might have been a Christian. It talked about uh, another one was set your, set your alarm on your phone every 10 minutes, every half hour. And uh, for every time it goes off, be conscious of what you're thinking. Are you thinking negative? Are you thinking the truth? Are you thinking according, in, according to Philippians chapter 4 verse 8? Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think of such things. It's something we can all do every day. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so you may be careful to do everything written in it. So Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22 says, You are taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its evil desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Talking about our minds again. Be made new in the attitude of our minds. That's our duty as Christians. Put off the old way. Be made new in the attitude of your minds. And to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. It's up to us, self-discipline, self-control, not only to know them, to memorise them, but to also put them into practice. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 to be transform- talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. What other ways can we have to know the truth? Can God guide us in any other way to know the truth? Is there always a verse in the Bible that tells us about whatever situation we may be in. Are we in a relationship problem? Is it with our boss? Is it with our spouse? Is it a fa- another, with another family member? What can we do about that? Can we have guidance? Um, what, if, what if we're spending so much time at work, our family is suffering, we're not spending time with our kids, not having an input in their lives? Is there a verse in the Bible that will challenge us? Can God challenge us in any other way? The last couple of weeks, John's well there for a while. John's been going through for quite a while, the, the book of John. And uh, the last couple of weeks, as it's been coming up to Jesus dying, he's been talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. He's given us the Holy Spirit that will guide us as well. We've got the Bible here that guides us, but he's also got the Holy Spirit that will control our thoughts if we, if we spend time to ask God for direction. Uh, John chapter 15 verse 26 says, When the Advocate, or the Helper, or as we know as the Holy Spirit comes, whom I send you from the Father, 
the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. So that's John 15:26. When the, when the helper comes, who I'll send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth goes out from the Father. So he's known as the spirit of truth. If you're looking for truth, you're looking for guidance, you're looking for direction, it comes from the Holy Spirit as well. John chapter 16, verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, the Holy Spirit, again, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. And that truth we need more than ever when we're looking at what's going on in the world. Uh, sometimes it's not necessarily that we're getting the truth. When we look at our, our social media today and what we're getting told, we tend to often only get one side of the story. Going back years ago, you'd get a balanced report. You could make up your own mind. And when we look at the evil in the world today, um, and the one I think of that's happened earlier this month in relation to the abortion debate, and I think Western Australia is the last state in Australia has uh, actually changed rules to allow full-term abortion. So babies are allowed to be aborted at full term. But not only that, despite there was some uh, objection to it from some people in Parliament, full, uh, babies born alive, there is no protection for those babies. They're left to die. So uh, I don't know if anyone sees, it doesn't seem to make too much mainstream media. If it is, it's certainly not the headlines of the main story now. And it's hard to believe that this is what's been passed in Parliament. And all those objections were brought up about babies actually born alive. What happens to them? We let them die. And um, you know, you, you, as you all know, if a child dies or uh, if there's a miscarriage, the actual trauma and distress associated with that is considerable. Those, those women who are uh, undergoing those procedures, you've got to think when it comes to moral injury, PTSD and all that sort of thing, what, what's going to be the outcome of that? So this is what's going on. When it comes to truth, we really need guidance more than ever as to what the truth is in life. But what are we doing about it? We actually saw in, uh, in James 4.17 that um, it's not only what we do, but it's what we fail to do is a sin as well. What's God challenging us to do? He's given us the Holy Spirit. What does he want us to do? Where does he want us to go? What does he want us to do? Um, when it comes to being able to hear the Holy Spirit speaking into your life, how does that happen? We're often so busy with life, you know, it's sort of like we'll, we'll try and put aside a quiet time and we'll, we'll read the Bible for that period of term, time. How does everyone, God talks to people in different ways. Some, of them, some people hear audible voices, some people it's, it's thoughts, that sort of thing. But I know when we're busy all the time, we're restricting God's ability to uh, actually talk to us. And I like the story of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. God's gonna, God talks to Elijah and God, the Lord said, go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass, pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. We'd probably call him a cyclone here. That would certainly get our attention if God was going to try to talk to us that way. After the wind came an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And that is where God spoke to Elijah. So we need to 
evaluate our lives, we need to ask God, uh, do we have, are, are we too busy in life? Are we spending enough time with God to actually hear his voice? What is he telling us? Let's ask God this week to guide us through his Holy Spirit but also make time to be aware as to what he was telling us. Um, I like the story of uh, Daniel in the Bible and uh, we look at Daniel's, well Daniel even even his, uh, he was, if you look at the history, uh, the Israelites were taken into slavery and he was one of the young men taken to actually uh, be of assistance to the, uh, I suppose you'd call it the government of of the time. And um, even in the early days, and yeah, I should have looked this up and given some verses, but uh, I know he he asked when they were first selected, those young Israelites were first selected, they asked if they could not partake of the wine and the rich food that uh, all the others were in all these men who were taken to be uh, chosen and if they could have a vegetarian uh, lifestyle. So they've actually stood out and that was because uh, the Israelites, that uh, some of that food was contrary to what was uh, clean or uh, acceptable for the Israelites and that's why he's asked that to happen. And if we know the story, well, after a, a trial period, they were actually fitter and healthier than all the other young men. So he's actually started out with some sort of a, uh, well he started out with a great understanding of God, a great understanding of the directions in the Bible but he's actually then made a stand to put them into practice. How could he have the strength to do that? When we look at Daniel and him taking, his, taking uh, praying and getting thrown in the lion's den which is another story and we know, well we know in relation to that particular episode where he was thrown in the lion's den, Daniel used to pray three times a day. He would set time apart three times a day to uh, pray to God and that was where that ruling came out. It was made illegal, he was thrown in the lion's den and as we know, he survived. He ended up becoming the, um, I suppose for want of a better term, we'd call it Prime Minister of the country. They had a king but he was ruler of that whole country. So you tend to think Daniel prayed three times a day. Ah, yeah, he had plenty of time. He was the bloke who was ruling the country. And what did he prioritise? He prioritised putting a time, so, time, putting aside time to spend with God. That was his priority. And we can see as a result of it and his commitment that uh, God blessed him and he ended up becoming the leader of that country at the time. I just want to finish with a verse, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. I actually like in the New King James Version slightly different. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So here we are talking about mental health. We're talking about how the Bible can be relevant. God's given us that spirit. It tells us here, God's given us a spirit not of fear but of power, love and a sound mind. Interesting that the NIV uh, actually translates that self-discipline. Self-discipline and a sound mind go hand in hand. We need to put into practice what we're reading.
Uh, in the Bible, we need to be aware of it, whether we uh, memorise memory verses and how we do it. There's many different ways to implement that. But uh, that's what I want to leave with you. Thank you.